0: There's something about the repetitive trauma, not necessarily the concussions, but uh-huh. thousands, 10,000, 20,000 to the head that can spark a degeneration that is either creating it, it, it's CT sort of driving an ALS clinical situation, yeah. or, or it's sparking uh, ALS and CTE simultaneously. <laughs>
1: everyone and welcome to another episode of Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson. I am joined by my friend and colleague in North Carolina, Jeremy Holden. Hello to you, sir.
2: Hey, Mike. How are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. And I'm looking at the calendar here and I'm noticing that we are just a few days away from the beginning of May, which is, of course, as many of our listeners know, ALS Awareness Month. And we're going to be doing our best here in the podcast and at the association to share Some of the awareness building activities going on around the country as well as uh, some personal stories of those living with als and this week we've got a topic that really brings awareness to mind uh, because it's something that many of us have questions on And it's also been in the news recently as former Chicago Bears legend Steve McMichael publicly announced he's been diagnosed with ALS. Uh, But Jeremy, this week we had a chance to speak with Dr. Chris Nowinski. He is the co-founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation in Boston. And we talked to him about the links between brain trauma and neurodegenerative diseases like ALS.
2: Yeah, Mike, and, and risk factors like brain trauma are an important part of raising awareness of ALS. And as we move into May, It is an opportunity to share so many stories. You know, one of the things that we're going to be doing throughout the month is focusing on moments, those moments that make up a life, Mm. those moments that are important to people and, and sharing moments that matter to people living with ALS, their caregivers, and hearing from researchers that are leading the fight to come up with treatments and a cure, and as we're going to talk about this week, to understand some of those risk factors that help us understand some of the underlying variables that are correlated to uh, an ALS diagnosis.
1: A lot of compelling content planned for me, so we'll hope, we hope that you'll subscribe to the association blog as well as the podcast And look out for a lot of that great stuff coming your way. Right now, let's listen to that interview we had with Dr. Chris Nowinski. We're on the phone today with Dr. Chris Nowinski, co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation in Boston. Dr. Nowinski, thanks for being willing to chat with us and welcome to Connecting ALS. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've been looking forward to speaking with you and Jeremy and I are hoping to ask you about Some of the scientific questions and evidence around the relationship between concussions and brain and nerve diseases like CTE and ALS. But, uh, doctor, can you start from the beginning and tell our listeners about the Concussion Legacy Foundation's mission and why uh, you helped create it?
0: Certainly. uh, The Concussion Legacy Foundation came out of my own experience. I was a Harvard football player, then a WWE professional wrestler, and I got kicked in the head uh, just a few too many times and had to retire in 2000 three with post-concussion syndrome. And as I was trying to get better, uh, I met a doctor named Dr. Robert Cantu, who was the eighth doctor I saw that was trying to put my head back together. Mm. And he changed everything I knew about concussion in just 10 minutes of our first meeting, Helped me realize that I'd been getting them throughout my career and just not saying anything, uh, Helped me appreciate that they would need to rest concussions when they happen, and that there may be long-term consequences, but at that time, we didn't know much. And I was so blown away. I said, well, you know, we should probably change sports so that everyone actually understands what these things are. If I just threw away my health out of ignorance, thinking I was supposed to be tough. Mm. Uh, so we started the foundation in 2007 with one of our primary goals We to start a brain bank to understand the disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, just at that time we had found uh, in four NFL players. Mm. And so you know, the, the foundation has grown into our first goal is patient and family services. Second is you know, we're trying to change sports so we can stop creating long-term problems, including neurogenic diseases with athletes. And third, we're really trying to end CTE. You know, we now know it's an entirely environmentally caused disease. Mm-hmm. And it's almost all voluntary head trauma and almost all, always children who are under 18 receiving it. And to me, that's just unacceptable. So we're trying to convince people to stop hitting people in the head, and we're uh, having some success.
2: Sure. I, I want to get real basic here, you know, because it's 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 a term that has been discussed quite a bit in recent years. As awareness of concussions and CTEs has grown, what is a concussion? What is CTE? What are we talking about when we when we discuss these concepts?
0: Yeah, it's a good question because we're going to start to leave concussion behind when we talk about uh, the connection to ALS. Concussion is just a change in the way your brain functions after an impact to the head or rapid acceleration or deceleration of the head. So it basically, we, we, you know, many of us listening have experienced that we get hit, we feel different, and basically what's happening inside your brain is a neurometabolic cascade. The harder hits, there can be axonal damage and other injuries that are, that are physical. Uh, and then most people recover within a few weeks or a month. And if you don't get too many of them, it shouldn't be a real big problem. Hmm. But some people have real long-term issues uh, just from one concussion. CTE, on the other hand, is not an injury. But it's a neurodegenerative disease more akin to Alzheimer's disease. Essentially, the accumulation of head impacts and with or without concussions, you don't need symptoms to have a head impact, um, can essentially start a process that starts degeneration of the brain. This sparks a neurogenic disease that continues to progress after you stop getting hit in the head. And so what we're seeing is that people are retiring with these small lesions around blood vessels that's the depths of the sulcus, sort of meaning that the places of the brain most vulnerable to trauma, if you create a computer model of the brain, you twist it real fast, the most sensitive areas essentially have an injury and too many you know somehow that turns into a spreading lesion mm. and takes it starts to move down axons cross synapses and, and and over the rest of your life is basically killing brain cells
1: thanks for that detailed uh, breakdown of a concussion uh, dr Novinsky, because i think a lot of people aren't really clear on what it is and how it impacts your brain and and there's so many questions around this in that vein as we are in ALS podcast in reviewing the research currently available and your experience, have there been any discernible lines drawn between uh, brain trauma and concussions and potential ALS diagnoses?
0: Yes. Uh, so, you know, and when we started this work, it, we, you know, there was, you know, one study of soccer players in Italy, but there wasn't a whole lot saying that maybe athletes are at greater risk and people didn't know why. We, when we partnered with Boston University and the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to start our brain bank, really the, the jewel was Dr. Ann McKee, who leads that work, who happens to also lead the national BA ALS repository. So she's already an ALS expert. Mm-hmm. And we started getting football players' brains who had ALS, died of ALS, but had CTE. And she started noticing some, some connections between them. And so We've now started the brains of dozens of athletes, almost all football players, who developed ALS. And also, there's been now epidemiological studies done of NFL players showing they have about four times greater risk of developing ALS. Wow. And essentially, that we're, we're still trying to parse out the details, but the, the idea is that there's something about the repetitive trauma, not necessarily the concussions, but uh-huh. thousands, 10,000, 20,000 to the head, that can spark a degeneration that is either... Creating, it, it, it's CT sort of driving an ALS clinical situation, yeah. or, or it's sparking uh, ALS and CTE simultaneously. And it's, it's, take a lot of work to figure that out. But um, in 2018, Dr. Michael Strong, who now heads the Canadian version of the National Institute of Health, published a study showing there's a common pathway shared with CT and CT ALS in terms of tau degeneration um so we're starting to think there's a causal mechanism of that so some people get ct get unlucky and it develops an als too mm.
2: one of the things that we always hear in in the research world is that you know additional research is needed to continue answering the big question of of Causal connections or the strength of the correlation or, or whatever it is that we're looking for. So, with that in mind, what additional research is needed going forward to really kind of strengthen our understanding of the risk factor associated with uh, brain trauma and ALS and other neurodegenerative diseases?
0: Yeah, and that's a great question because, you know, the reality is we're talking about a, a few studies and, and some interesting hypotheses. Um, and, and we're also know that there's resistance, you know, sometimes to, to new ideas like this because, um, you know, just, you know, it, it's just, it's new and it's, 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 it's hard to believe that we missed this, I guess, mm-hmm. all this time. And so I think the simple answer is, I think it's, it's extraordinarily likely, right? That we're finding out that brain trauma increases your risk of Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. CTE, like all of these 3rd diseases. So it, it, you know, getting hit in the head and physically damaging your brain is very likely to also trigger something like ALS, right? Um, and the problem is there, there are not many people working on that hypothesis, and even our lab that has most of the cases of this disease—you know—it's it, only a small sub, subset of our overall CT research. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think part of the reason I have this conversation is to invite people to investigate this trauma hypothesis because you know the evidence is there that we should be. Really looking down this pathway because again, it's envi- this is one of those few environmentally caused uh, types. So what, what that study I referenced, 2018, Michael Strong basically showed you could create this in a mouse. Mm. And so you know we we you know ALS is, is so difficult to research. We understand the, the the genetic risk factors for a small population. You now the the rest of the cases we don't know enough about. So I I, I hope people think about this from a hypothesis, could help us understand why it's affecting some people and might give us new ideas for how to intervene along the way or or why it's happening that can help us understand more subtypes of ALS.
1: Clearly, uh, continuing to raise awareness about this uh, so that we can fund further research and learn more is key. So it's, it's so important to have this in the public eye. As your organization, uh, doctor, started to become more well-known and and some of the research you were doing and resources you're providing uh, becoming more well-established. Did you begin hearing from current and former athletes and even active and former military members about available resources? Were they curious about what you were doing?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Kevin Turner. So Kevin Turner was the NFL fullback, uh teammate of a good friend of mine uh, Ted Johnson and, and Kevin had during his career was very straight laced after his career started behaving bizarrely, lost a lot of money, gambling, uh, other things, family fell apart and Ted Johnson had tried to connect us to deal with, I think he's got CTE Mm. and he didn't didn't call me that, but he called me a couple of years later and he said, Hey, are you hearing about any connection between CT and ALS? And I said, "Well, well, Yeah do think there is why I just got diagnosed with ALS. Mm. Then unfortunately, you know, I watched Kevin slowly decline and, and we lost him. We started this brain and he had that exact type. And so because we're talking about it, more athletes are pledging to donate their brain, which is really the only way to get that physical evidence we need to continue to learn from this. Mm-hmm. And, but the reality is you know, we can't provide the same services to this population that you can. So we're still referring the former athletes who reach out to us, to organizations like yours, to support them, you know, while they fight the disease. But, but certainly more and more football players and other kinds of athletes, there's been a couple of now NHL players, are, are, are recognizing people are starting to connect the dots, right? It's, you know, maybe one of the reasons we're talking is because Steve McMichael, the 85 Bear, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from Chicago, he's a god, you know, went public last week that he has ALS. People are connecting the dots. It's now part of the conversation. You know, we, this hypothesis was out there 2009 when our first ALS case was Wally Hilgenberg, the NFL great from, from Minnesota. Yeah. And, and and since then, you know, we have seen the drumbeat of NFL players getting diagnosed. It's just it's it's difficult to watch. You know, because there's there, we hear about it because they're so famous. There's obviously thousands of other people, the same right. thing. But these are the ones that capture the headlines and hopefully capture that interest to help us change
2: things it occurs to me we're talking about uh, something that is so integral to American life and culture and sports and uh, as we learn more about the risks associated with certain sports is the conversation ultimately about mitigating those risks uh, it's, it's hard to imagine we're not going to create a world without sports so what are the conversations about as we learn more
0: what comes next Great question. And it's an important one because, you know, again, we have this opportunity to change the future and people are generally at first reluctant to, you're going to take away my sports, you're going to change the way I did things. And most people we're having these conversations with say, I did that and I was fine. Mm. And what we've, we, we sort of try to divide the conversation into two things. First, we have the, edu- the sports as entertainment discussion right? And this is the professionals, this is unfortunately college in our culture, you know, but like, I'm a guy who used to go off the top rope through tables and let people hit me head of chairs for entertainment because it was a job, mm-hmm. right? And we're not trying to say, no one's going to say you can't have a dangerous job, right? There are a lot more dangerous jobs than sports, but so the, so the goal there has been to educate the athletes and their unions to negotiate for, let's take away the dumb stuff, <laughs> let's take away sure. the ridiculous stuff, let's stop like hitting so much in practice, this you know and then let's negotiate the level of safety you're comfortable with based on today's knowledge so that unfortunately some of you are still going to go down this path but there's less risk and you again are making an informed choice but when we complete change discussion we talk about kids like i i I struggle to think that we're, we're literally giving giving teenagers we've proven a degenerative brain disease that will affect the rest of their life mm-hmm. for for something they're not getting paid for. They don't know any better. They just think it's the cool the cool sport. You know they're right. recruited by you know. It, it's just sad. And it, the sad thing is there's been reluctance to change youth sports because of this. You know this sort this absurd idea. Call it absurd that because you have to just stop and think about it that we model youth sports after pro sports. Right? Yeah. Why? You know, the, the problem is, and I'm going to my undergrad sociology training, you know, college, all, almost all sports were invented for a college age group. They moved to pro because there's money to be made. And then because there was money to be made, they started getting people playing younger. Mm. And nobody really thought, but the kids should be playing a different version. And so... We need to change them. Like, they're, they're really, we should not tolerate any child getting repetitive head trauma. I now have two kids. No one is ever going to hit them in the head in practice or on purpose, or they're never going to head soccer ball. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, they probably won't be tackling people down. But so, so anyway, we need to just, we just we need to realize we can have our KP too if we stop with the kids heading balls, checking on hockey, tackling football, all those simple things. You know, they have, and, and they've done that soccer and hockey, but they haven't. Having in rugby, so we, we need to change. That. We just need to change what we do to kids. Let them have right. fun. They don't have to climb Right, and and uh, there are
1: uh, some some great links and resources on your website, which we will link to in the show notes to talk about this and some of the ways to mitigate risk, particularly for youth and youth sports. My last question for you, Doctor, your vision uh, and that of the foundation is a world without CTE. Much as the ALS Association is working to build a community without ALS. But in the short term, what are the more immediate goals for the Concussion Legacy Foundation? I know that you've alluded to a number of them here, but what would you like to get done tomorrow
0: if you could? <laughs> Gosh, this is such a long list. <laughs> so besides you know the prevention side of, of reforming sports and educating everyone so that concussions are handled properly, mm-hmm. we are leaning in on understanding the CT lived experience. And one of the problems is we only have about 500 people worldwide who've been diagnosed with CTE. <laughs> So, we've started a big project to understand the caregiver experience, the child's experience, so we can advise caregivers and children now, and even sometimes parents, on how to support their loved one. We're still, you know, we need to do the research to understand. We know CT eventually leads to dementia, and we believe it can sometimes lead to ALS, but we don't understand the massive psychiatric issues in midlife. Like, I just tweeted a story about a former NFL player in Boulder, Colorado, who shot a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, and said he thought he was being chased by the Russian mob. Like it's, it's, and they're using the CT defense to say this 40 year old has lost his mind. And it's hard, it's hard to imagine how this, you know, that this disease could be doing that to people. But again, we had an NFL player just kill six people himself including two children. So this is, um, there's something going on (laughs) that we need that we need to, you know, and that's a public health issue. We need to get people safe. And the other thing is that we just, I wish we could stop this debate around whether CT is real. Like we're, we're unfortunately fighting this sort of big tobacco war against sports groups. Like Gary Bettman and the NHL still refuse to say there's a link between brain trauma and neurodegeneration, right? The NFL says it, but, but yeah. the NHL does not. FIFA is, is fighting it, uh, you know, various organizations. So I wish we could stop debating it and just get to work. We've been starting brain banks around the world to get countries actually taking ownership of this and getting into the game so that we we will have, in, in five years, real global collaborations to understand this. That's really
1: great. Thank you for, again, that that uh, laying out your plans and the important work that's being done. And it is. It's about opening more eyes to this real issue and learning as much as we can so that we can prevent it in the future. And don't let me forget
0: to add, we don't, can't diagnose our deceased living people, mm. right? So, uh, you know, we, we just published new research criteria for what we call traumatic and self syndrome if we had that diagnostic, we could get into clinical trials and the great work that you're doing and others, uh, but we can't, like it's, we yeah. don't know who our patients are. It's yeah, such a it struggle. Yeah, makes it tough. Yeah.
1: Thank you again so much, Dr. Chris Nowinski, um, and everything you're doing with the Concussion Legacy Foundation is so important, and we appreciate you coming on to enlighten us and, and, and talk
0: to us about your important work. It was my pleasure, Mike and Jeremy. Thanks for everything you do, it.
2: Well, fascinating look, Mike, into the connections between brain trauma and ALS. We will share some articles in the show notes so listeners can dig a little bit deeper into that. Uh, and in the meantime, as we mentioned at the top, we are on the eve of ALS Awareness Month. So make sure that you uh, are subscribed to the podcast and through all the association channels so you can uh, read those stories, hear those stories, and share them with your own networks. Um, really looking forward to sharing those moments throughout the month of May uh, as we celebrate and take advantage of ALS Awareness Month.
1: Definitely. uh, And the easiest way to subscribe to Connecting ALS is just to look for us wherever you listen to podcasts or at ConnectingALS.org. You can subscribe there as well. Uh, You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter. We do appreciate hearing from you in those spaces. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you
0: all very much for listening and we will connect with you again soon.